perfect for so-and-so, and they're not here. And it's hard to duplicate that because it's an atmosphere, it's a climate, it is the Spirit moving in this house, and it's hard to duplicate that. It's hard to get that word at some other point that you desperately needed. So the question is not, did I miss anything? It's, what did I miss? So I started to kind of think about that. And like this morning, uh, Jace's message was very simple. It was a very simple Bible story, and that's kind of where I'm going tonight. Um, So if you would turn in your word to Jonah chapter 2, and we're just going to kind of hang out there for a little while. Um, We're going to talk about Jonah tonight, but I feel like I I remember, I I, I I don't know if I want to call this a specific word for people that have attended New Hope for a long time, because it doesn't have to be, but I, I think of, I even think back, and I was thinking of November or October of 1995, when I was 16 years old, and a guy came to our church, Lenny and Joe Schatz and Bruce Harvey Hester, and he prophesied over a few people, and I was one of them, and I remember Lenny, and I remember Bruce, and I remember things he said about each of you. I remember Joe Schatz was one of them, and I may be missing some people, but I I think about that, and then I think of where we are today, and I think of the calling of God on our lives, and... I think those are going to be the majority of the tears that God wipes away on on Judgment Day is where he says, I will wipe away every tear from your eye. There will be no more pain, sorrow, and sadness, and weeping. And I think a lot of those tears are going to be tears that come from, if I just could have done more. What did I miss, Lord? What did he, and he lays out this whole plan of everything you missed because we were so self-absorbed in surviving on our own terms and not thriving in His will. And I think those are, that's going to be a lot of the sadness that God wipes away because we're not living to the spiritual potential that God has called us to. Some of, we, some of us are 5, 10, 20, 20, 30 years down the road wishing that you had more time because you didn't fulfill the call of God in your life. And you, we, we stick with that like it's over. We let the enemy talk to us like it's over and there isn't another chance. There will never be another opportunity that we are defeated and we walk around that way. You can hear a million messages like this, but until something sinks inside of you individually and personally, probably in your own time with God, and maybe even as you are at church where the Bible talks about giving you back your song in the night and giving you the joy that is restored unto you in that moment. You know, we shout unto God with the voice of triumph, and it's in that moment. Nobody else could be having that moment. And it may be during a moment where it doesn't make sense you should have that moment. But all of a sudden, God does something in your heart, and you can't force it to happen. You can't do more things for God. You can't pull yourself away from this or that. God just does it in His timing. And you might look at those people and think, what is up with them? What are they so happy about? But God has done something in their heart, in their life, in that moment. And it doesn't have to be aided with lights and screens and certain songs. It's, it's just the time for it in that individual's life. And it causes them to get up out of the depths and out of the belly of the ship and to, and to make a decision and to make a choice. 
So I'm going to start in Jonah 2, verse 1. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Just stop right there. He prayed unto God out of the fish's belly. Any of you done that? This is speaking literally. Now I know that some of you are in a, the belly of a fish right now. Figuratively, metaphorically, spiritually, right? But he was literally in the stomach. And if you know anything about biology, and you know how that works, and the smell, and the acidity, and all the connecting tubes of this and that, and what that's mixed with, it's not a pleasant place. Just like our spiritual state sometimes is not a pleasant place, and we see no hope of getting out of that place. So he's praying unto the Lord God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and the waves pass over me. Uh, what's the song? It is well. Sea billows roll when life won't quit. And you're getting knocked one after another, wave after wave after wave. Then said I, and am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. And I always think that the weeds wrapped around your head are all, all these, these past struggles that we fail with and, and toil with. And unforgiveness and bitterness and, and, and lack of fulfilling a calling that you thought was going to happen years ago. And it hasn't happened even yet. And these are these weeds that are tangled around your head that the devil has you convinced that it's over and that you are wrapped. You are being strangled by life and that it's over. So all this weed, the seaweeds, all these things were wrapped about my head. And I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Some of you are headed to the bottoms of the mountains tonight or some of you are there. The earth with her bars was the earth with her bars was about me forever yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption O Lord my God when my soul fainted within me I remembered the Lord and my prayer came unto thee into thine holy temple that that, uh, that they observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy and we're going to break this down. There's a lot here. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay thee I, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Then he spoke to the fish, because God can do that. He spoke to the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah out upon dry land. So I thought about calling this message, Surrendered Saints on Dry Land, or Submitted Souls on Dry Land. Church of Jesus Christ, New Hope Church, we must get to a point where we are on dry land and not stuck in the belly of a fish forever and ever and ever and ever, our whole lives, wishing that we would have just listened and surrendered to the full will of God that He had for our lives. We need to be on dry land. But there's something that happens before God can permit and allow dry land to occur and for you to carry on about His will. I believe one of the greatest needs we even have in the hour that we live is to have men and women completely surrendered to the plan and the purposes of God. What I miss, Lord. Think about, if you start to think about that too long, you'll be so depressed. You will be so depressed and distressed and oppressed and suppressed. You, you will be down in the dumps. 
when you start to think about everything spiritually you have missed that God had for you. So I want to encourage you not to dwell on those things. Because that's what the enemy does. He brings up the past and the failures and the struggles. Don't dwell on those things because then you'll sink even deeper into the belly of the fish or into the bow of the ship sleeping and not responding to anything. Just as long as we're comfortable, all kinds of stuff can be happening above on ship. And, but as long as we're okay and we're in the belly and the bow of the ship sleeping and we're comfortable in our life of spirituality, even though we've missed the call of God, leave me alone, I'm comfortable, I'm just going to go to sleep, don't wake me up, everything's cool. So, but at the same time, I, I believe that the world is, is looking for people and people in New Hope Church, people in this city, people... In the church of the United States, God is looking for people that are willing to get up. The world is looking for people who are truly given over to the work of the Lord. And their only hope of seeing the gospel will be through lives of surrendered saints, surrendered souls. Because no one's reading this anymore. No one's reading, no one's picking it up, no one's touching this anymore. The only hope, the only word they're going to read is our lives in the way that we live. It's probably the only Bible that most people are now going to experience. Because the church has put a nasty taste in the mouth of the world to the point where it's like, get away from me, I'm going to create my own doctrine over here and do whatever I want. And this is what's happened. Jonah 1, 1 through 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. This is God speaking. And then Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof. And when he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah tried to get away as far as possible from the call of God on his life. Far away from God's calling, far away from preaching the gospel at Nineveh, he ran from it. And we get like this as the people of God. We think that it's hopeless and we don't want to do it, so we run from it or we settle. And we start to just settle for the crumbs instead of eating at the feast of the table in the wilderness that God has prepared. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Yes, He can. And He wants to do it at your lowest point. That's what God is good at. That's what he is in the business of, is restoring broken lives at the pit, in the pit. He's the type of person, this is Jonah, is the type of person who only wants to have a relationship with God, but not with the people to whom he is called. He wants to seek God, he wants to have a relationship with God, everything wants, he wants um, comfortability, but he doesn't want to have a relationship with the people that God has called him to. Does that make sense? A relationship with God will ultimately, will ultimately take you to His people that He died for. Would you agree with that? So if we're just all about building this relationship with God and never pouring out into the lives of other people, it's not going to end well. Because that's not Christianity. He said, go to the ends of the earth. He said, preach the gospel to all people. So this is the Great Commission. And as a, Christ, a Christian, we cannot have one without the other. It's impossible. So this, you know, we talk about these uh, gardeners, inter, uh, is it Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences? There might be nine or maybe more than that, and there's interpersonal and intrapersonal. Well, you have to be able to work well by yourself, but you need to be able to work well with people in this world. 
You need to be able to be sensitive and treat people delicately with their situations and their struggles and their trials. And for the gospel's sake, we need to be able, personality or not, we need to be able to speak with people. And for someone opposite of my personality, that makes it all more the amazing and powerful because you know that it's supernatural. You know that God is doing this inside of you. About half of you in this room probably have my personality. The other half doesn't. Those are the types of things where God moves and you're like, we did it, God. And there's probably a little more excitement because you know it's completely stepping out of yourself and God doing all the work. And it takes power for God to silence me and to know when not to say something and to know when to really think before I speak and how to say it and being delicate and sensitive to people and their needs and their brokenness. So this is what God wants to do. Work this relationship building with us and with his people. All men and women he wants to use regardless of our uh, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, stature, whatever it may be. So since Jonah did not want this kind of relationship, he took what he thought would be an easier journey. And we do that. I think it's it's an easier journey, but I think deep down inside it's more of a self-loathing journey. I didn't submit myself to the will of God. This is an easier life. But inwardly, I'm being tormented by the enemy because I did not submit to the Lord. There's always a price to pay, talking about Jonah paying the fare. There's always a price to pay when we're unwilling to follow the plan of God for our life. And again, we're not concentrating on the past tonight because that's, that's over with. A lot of us are living in that. Scripture says that Jonah actually paid a fare to run from God. How often do we do that? So there's kind of a warning given to those who turn away from that calling of the Lord. And Zechariah 11.17 says, Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye, and his arm shall be uh, clean dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So the price will ultimately be a loss of a strength and a vision. I can't have strength if I'm not spending time with God. I don't have a vision for my life if I'm not spending time with God. I have no vision. I have no strength at all. It's like my arm is gone. My eyes are gone. I I can't do anything if I'm not willing to submit and surrender to the will of God for my life. It makes me weak and it makes me spiritually blind. And I think that a lot of the church in this nation and even in New Hope Church, we, have no, we don't have an arm, we don't have our vision, and we're not doing anything because we're not willing to pray. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. So when we stray, we lose our, our, our spiritual vision. We lose our ability to even discern when we're not spending time with God. And then the storms come just like they came to Jonah. And and this strength and this vision, I know it only comes from God and it only comes when we're willing to live in obedience to Him. So, is it possible that that we're kind of witnessing this kind of turmoil in, in, in the world today? Especially with the church. You can see it on every side. You can see society starting to break up. Fear is entering into the hearts of men and the hearts of women and to the hearts of young people and in households. There's a fear that's happening. 
with this, the, the economic status, with, with things like that. I even had a conversation with somebody who wasn't saved, and, um, and, I, and I, we started to talk a little bit. And we, we were talking about how the, the, what's coming to our nation, it's going to be a collapse of our economy. And what are we going to do? And, you know, most people, even if they do store up, might be equipped for three or four days. But, you know, it's going to be a different story when food is actually running off the shelves and they can't produce it. Nothing's being manufactured anymore. Can you imagine the people? Can you imagine just the, pe- the people that... Someone passed away in a car accident and you have some guy 30 cars back cussing up a storm and really angry and people trying to run each over to get through and get where they need to be while someone just passed away. Can you imagine when there's no food on the grocery shelves? That time's coming and it's not going to hit just a certain class. It's going to hit the world. So are we ready for that spiritually? And we got in a conversation about that. And these conversations are happening with unsaved people. Have you had these conversations with unsaved people? People that don't know God. People that may not be able to conjure up any type of hope. Jonah 1.5 says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, reaching for whatever, to their God. Could be anything, any religion, Anything at all. They, each person cried unto their own God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and he was fast asleep during all of this. So Jonah was asleep in the lower part of the ship. This incredible storm was raging above. He was only concerned about his own comfort, like I mentioned earlier, and unaware and unconcerned in this this current moment that he was in, this hour in which we live. Are we concerned about people? I am guilty and confess to you that I get caught up in moments where I am not. And you can only get this type of compassion for people back when you spend time with God. And this is kind of a type of Christian who who has... A, a clear, very definitive call on their lives. So what are you doing? What are you missing? Not did you miss something. We have all missed great opportunities that have been laid before us. We've all missed them. We have missed them. We miss something every time we miss a service at New Hope Church. We miss something every day when we don't spend time with God and when He says, come away with me, my love. We miss something every day when we choose not to do that. How much have you missed? I've missed. I've missed moments. I've missed opportunities. I've missed opportunities where God wants to strengthen my heart at 6 o'clock in the morning before I go to work. Have you missed those opportunities? And it is shame, shame you know our name because if we've been grown up, if we've grown up in church for X amount of years, we know better But the fact of the matter and the reality is that a lot of the church is still in bondage and captivity, settling for crumbs. We just are. So he was fast asleep. So this is a Christian who, Jonah is a Christian who has a calling on his life. But instead of yielding to those purposes, that calling that God 
has for him, we get apathetic, we get lethargic, we fall asleep spiritually. And God knows that we cannot stay awake. It's not in our own strength that we can stay awake, just like when Jesus went a stone's throw away in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before he was crucified. He came back and he said, can you not wait with me for an hour and pray for an hour? That was a rhetorical question to the Son of God. God knows we can't stay awake. Remember, I I spoke a while ago about that, about our own strength and how we have no strength and how God is calling us to call out to Him for strength because in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. We always looked at that Scripture as condemnation. You can't wait with me for an hour. You can't pray for an hour. It's not a Scripture of condemnation. It's a Scripture of God saying, I know you can't tarry for an hour. But can you give me five minutes today? Can you give me 20 minutes of qualitative time with me today, son or daughter? Are we willing to do that? And Jonah was caught up with his own well-being. And Scripture would clearly say that this is the attitude of the last days. This is the attitude of the last days that we live in, of the last day church. But I know that God and and if... I believe that when I say this, if I heard from God correctly, I believe that there's going to be one more outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be one more awakening in this nation. One more chance, one more opportunity for people who call themselves Christians to really reconcile themselves unto God and make things right. And step into the call, even if you think you're 20 years late. Get in to the plan and the will for God. Because He still wants to use you powerfully. This was the whole picture of Jonah. He was was in a self-induced, inflicted spiritual slumber that, that only a divine intervention, only God could wake him out of. So we too, I know that we're living in this. I know that I'm living in this. I, I really, um, it really resonated with me this morning when Jace was talking about sticking with God through these valleys and through these trenches. And then once you, God has done something for you and, and you have been, uh, whatever it is, delivered or healed or restored, and then we kind of sink back and go back to normal life. Guilty. So Jonah was asleep in this the lower part of the ship. We, we've, we don't look at this. A lot of times we put away the hard things of the Word of God and we kind of we go or gravitate to the promises of God. But I believe that the church is walking in this same self-induced slumber. Self-inflicted slumber. And, and I, I, I wanna, I'm speaking to New Hope people. People that have been here for 5, 10, 15, 20 years this church was founded 14, it'll be 15 years ago this April or something like that. And some of you have been here since then. And some of you are wondering if you've missed the call of God for your life. If there's something more. Is there something more? Is there a greater calling? i got to be careful when I say this and how I say it. But do you understand what I say when I say that I'm a principal at Maysville Elementary in my spare time? Does that make sense to you? 
You believe all these places that you're called to work and to make a paycheck and these things. You're called to make a difference there. But your number one goal is to shine on this earth like the stars in the universe. It's to shine. It's to light up a dark, dark world. And we can't just say, well, my relationship with God is good. I just don't like people. You might want to question your salvation at that point. Because God died for all of them. And He calls you to them to make a difference. And I know that as long as I'm comfortable and happy, you know, it might not matter the things that are breaking apart all around us. And just, you know, as, as God was about to awaken Jonah, I believe He's going to awaken the church of our time. I was even walking around in my living room today, and I, I do this at least one... I don't... Does anybody else think about, like, the rapture, like, all day, every day? I've done that for years. For years. Sometimes I'm like, just take me now. And other times I'm scared to death. Anybody else go back and forth with this? And, but, but it's good to be mindful of this. It's good to just walk down the hallway, and all of a sudden there's a thought of, what if it was right now? Am I ready? Would I be satisfied? What am I doing? Did I miss something? God, what do you want? It continues in Jonah 1.6 and it says, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. These are unsaved people going to Jonah and say, Wake up and call on your God. Jonah was called to prayer. There is a need for prayer in our nation today. I think that everybody that is called by the Lord, everybody that has attended church, you know this call. You know this call. And everybody that is called by the Lord, by the name of Christ, knows that we should be on our knees praying in these times. You know it. We know we should. But we don't. We know where we should be. We, we should be seeking God as never before. We know this in our heart. And we, we just end up running from the call of God. It's hard to pray because God leads us right back to where we started. We don't want to go pray because He goes right back to the original plan for our lives that we don't want to submit to. So we stay clear from the prayer closet or clear from those times because He takes you right back. Okay, now where were we? You're like, I couldn't get away from it. He still wants to do this and this is a merciful God who wants to do it. This is why people cannot pray in the church. I believe this. I believe it's at times why I cannot pray, because I'm fearful of what God is requiring of me, of what He wants to rid from my life, of where He wants me to go, or what He wants me to say, or who He wants me to speak with. And I believe that this keeps the people of God from prayer. We come to church, we appear to be dedicated, but we're more concerned about just time passing. And, and, and while we're in this condition, I, I believe that we just we simply can't find the heart of God. Has anyone felt like they just haven't heard from God in a long time? You don't have to raise your hand. But seriously, just a dry desert. You can raise your hand if you want to. I mean, if we were to be honest, God, where are you? Come on. But we're not willing to go back to that place of submission and surrender. Okay, God, 
It's been 10 years. You called me to do this. I know you did. I know the times I spent with you and the moments that you had spiritually awakened me out of this slumber that I've been in. And now you're calling me back to it because that's what God says. His call is irrevocable. His love is everlasting. He wants to take you back and he wants to continue to deal with those things. And if we're willing to completely submit and surrender, then God is going to still do a miracle through you. He still wants to do it. He still desires to do it. Isn't it hard believing this? Because we are no good at keeping our commitments to anyone, anything, God, anything. We're no good at it. We fail and we falter. That's what we're best at. But yet God in His mercy still wants to use you. If only you will and we will surrender. This... this For the church of Jesus Christ, I believe that this is the root of absolute prayerlessness in our nation today. Prayerlessness. So if men and women and even children that have a call of God on their life begin to pray and be drawn out of this state of apathy, so sick of hearing Appalachia and apathy is an excuse for anything, you do something. You can do something. What's wrong with our parents and our kids? I know what's wrong. And you should too. But you should be willing to do something. We should be willing to sacrifice. And and believe me, it will be a sacrifice. It just will be. There's no way around it. There is no way around it. You're going to have to turn the TV off. You're going to have to stop playing video games. You're going to have to maybe get up early. You're going to have to... It will be a sacrifice. There is no question. Well, I'll just get rid of my TV. Good for you. And you'll have it back in two months. Stop making these foolish promises to God that we break. Is this true? But God in His mercy. Hallelujah. So just kind of think about this. If we would come out of this, the church who knows better... there would be the church would be transformed almost overnight. It would be. What are the odds? What are the chances? Well, I'm not going to say pretty good. I, I don't. It's up to people. It's up to us to come out of this. But I'm telling you, if it happened, it'd be a transformation of the Church of Jesus Christ in the United States overnight, and that'd be pretty awesome to see. So. You understand that Jonah might have been the only one who even truly knew the Lord on that ship. We might be the only person that truly knows the Lord in, in your workplace, on your street, in your apartment, in your home. You might be the only one in that area that really knows God. So we're like Jonah. We're running from these, these, these plans of surrendering So the the sailors that were on the ship needed to see a person who was wholly committed to the will of God. There's Jonah in the bow of the ship sleeping. But they needed to see this. If you think about all the places that you go every single day, we literally might be the only one in those areas that really and truly know God. A lot of people who say, I'm a Christian or I was baptized this or that, but their lifestyle does nothing to confirm that. So maybe you are the only one in certain areas, that truly, truly knows God. 
and is able to offer hope to other people. And they need to see the gospel in our lives. You probably don't have to say a word. It's how we act and interact and react to everything around us. What's that say? So when a storm hit, if you look at Jonah 1.7, it says, And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots. This is crazy. Let us cast lots that we may know whose cause this evil is upon us. So they're like, What is up? What's going on? Who's causing all of this? This is crazy. Who's running from the call of God in this room? Who is it? Let's cast lots. And whoever it falls upon is the person that needs to do something so we can all be saved. I'm telling you, in the church, in the church, there's a lot of hidden things. There's a lot of hidden things. And these are unsaved people. They don't know God. Let's cast lots and see who they fall upon. And they fell upon, you guessed it, Jonah. In Jonah 1.7. So when this storm hit, the Lord gave kind of a spiritual awakening to the people on a journey with Jonah. All these people that were above were, had, are being spiritually awakened through this one man. And he's about to go to a city if he submits where 120,000 people are going to receive the mercy of God because that's God's character is mercy. So they realize that these are unsaved people that realize Jonah's disobedience and half-hearted following of God might be causing their world to fall apart. Amen. So Jonah was sleeping, doing nothing to try to take the ship through the storm. The others on board the ship were, were alarmed, they were scared, and, they, and, and, and they, they started questioning Jonah. They wanted to know, what's your background, dude? Where are you from? Why, why is the, the, lots, the lots fell on him? What are you doing? And these are unsaved people? that are curious, inquiring, want to know. Where are you from? What do you do? What's your vocation? What nationality are you? It says. It says, what is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And what people art thou? In other words, where you are, what are you from? What do you do? What's your purpose on the ship? What nationality are you? They want to know everything about this guy because they know that it's this guy's fault that they're going through all of this turmoil. And sometimes all it takes is for one Christian to get on their knees and go back to a place of prayer. And all kinds of things can change around them. They sense that something about Jonah was either causing or allowing this storm to, to, to not decrease in its force or in its power. The storm is not calming down. What is going on? And we all face this in our lives. One wave after wave, one thing after another. There's death, there's suicide, there's divorce, there's disease, there's addiction. Over and over. You can't seem to get a break. What is causing this? And a lot of times it goes right back to us, people who won't surrender and submit to the purposes and the will of God for our lives. Jonah 1.9 says, and he said to them, Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. I'll say half of that was true. I'm a Hebrew. But if he really feared the Lord, do you think he'd be on that ship? Or do you think he would have done what God told him to do in the first place and be at Nineveh? So he's still covering up, right? 
So I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. So it wasn't exactly true. Scripture says in uh, Jonah 1.10, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? What are you doing? Why are you doing this to us? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. These are people that don't even know God. There are some people that don't know God in your family that will confront you about your own relationship with the Lord. They'll see you start to fall apart and they'll be like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be fully committed to this God you say you serve. What's up? What are you doing? What's going on? And unsaved people will call us out on this. Because they know maybe they could benefit from us serving God. You know how a pastor talks about the Holy Spirit as a restrainer of evil. And, and, and I pray. I, I, get, I get approximately 10 emails per day of situations that happen at elementary schools, junior high, high school, and colleges, and even local businesses. I get about a dozen emails every single day. This person brought a gun. There was a bomb threat here. Six arrested for this. It's not encouraging emails, but I get these every single day from our safety director at Maysville. Here's what's going on. We're not exempt from that. But I believe, a little part of me believes that the people that go to Maysville that love God with all their heart, that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, might be restraining evil from happening there. Because untold terror and evil will fall when the church is raptured out of here because there will be no Holy Spirit in the people because the Holy Spirit resides in us. Make sure you're right with God because we haven't seen anything yet. Nothing. So there's something in the heart of, of men, even unsaved people, that cause them to look at the church and ask, you know, what have you not told us about your God? What are you not telling us? And I know some people were stubborn and they want to argue and they want to curse this and that and we don't want to strike up conversations because we fear rejection and we fear those things and it's a waste of time. We'd rather not get into it. But these are people that eventually are going to come up to us as Christians who are hopefully truly saved. What are you not telling us about your God? And if you knew this the whole time, why are you holding this from me? Why are you not telling us about this? Why have you been running from Him? You know, we see this same questioning that took place when the towers were destroyed September 11th and people were flooding into the churches all over the nation, all over the country. And, and, and I remember there being no explanation, no hope being offered to people that are filling the churches. There wasn't hardly any explanation to be found in any of these churches. And statistics actually prove from the time that that happened that fewer people are attending church now more than ever than before. Because we go right back to what we do. There's less confidence in the church since then. There's less confidence in people that call themselves Christians. And that makes me upset. Does that upset you? Does that upset you that people that are really trying to walk and fear God in humility knowing that they've been changed and God delivered me from, from, from stealing and from drinking. Anybody? Amen? And, and from, and from uh, vandalizing things and from doing things that I shouldn't and from viewing women the wrong way. And he's has He delivered you from these things? And people that are trying to live the right way, 
It's kind of like this kid gets in trouble. The whole class is in trouble. They didn't even do anything. It doesn't seem fair because it seems like everybody is generalizing this Christian logo. They view one that way. That's how everyone is, right? You're like, but, but, but wait a minute, nope. So it's kind of time to prove ourselves in the strength of God that He's given us. It's kind of time in Romans, the first verses, be not transformed or be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it says that He's um, going to equip you and do all these things through you that you may prove what is the acceptable will of God. That word prove means demonstrate. Can we be His demonstrations, hands-on demos to the world? So, there's fewer people. There's less confidence in the church. And after the attack, they all came looking for answers. They found this, this casual, this, this social gospel. Love, 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 and hand out this and that, which is all true, but it's got to be backed with messages on uh, sin and the blood and the cross. And people were removing all those things from church. So, it's really taking out the gospel, which is the whole point. So... Uh, Moving on, uh, and Jonah says, What do we have to do that the sea might be calm? And Jonah replied, Pick me up and throw me overboard into the sea, and it shall become calm once again. Anyone in here willing to admit, It's me, I'm the problem, throw me overboard. Everything will be fine. I'm glad that's not how this is written in context. Literally, Jonah had to be thrown overboard. But what did that represent to us now, today? So these, these, these it kind of applies to us. And if we want to make it through these upcoming days, we have to, to throw all of this self-seeking fluff and froth and apathetic religion out the door. We've got to get rid of these things. Jonah 1.13 says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea rotted and was tempestuous against them. So they still trying to do it in their own strength. And then they finally realized this can't happen. They didn't want to do as Jonah told them. They continued in their own self-effort. Nobody wanted their soft religion and their man-made doctrines to go overboard. And, you know, we can... Grow to love these doctrines and religions that we come up with. Living in comfort, even down in the belly of a ship. Just don't bother me. It's kind of easy to sleep as the, as the ship rocks back and forth, just kind of lulling us to sleep. And everybody up on the upper deck is perishing and terrified and, uh, of these waves and the persistent, uh, unrelenting force and power of the storm, which happens all the time to us. And they don't know where to turn, but... The only answer that they have is Jesus Christ and they don't want to turn to that because everything they've heard or seen of that is a fallacy and it's just a hypocrisy. And they're judging their desire to come to Jesus Christ on maybe one poor example that they've seen. So it, it is on us. It is on us. It is on a church who claims to be the true church of Jesus Christ. It is on us bunch of Jonas running from the call of God, not going to prayer because we don't want to reckon, submit and surrender to the true call of God that God has on our lives and maybe has had on our lives for 5, 10, 30 years. Don't cross into heaven 
with the disappointment and the regret. We never surrender because of a besetting sin, because of failure, because of these things. I beg you, New Hope Church, please reconsider the call of God on your lives, on our lives. Some of you are at the depths of this right now where you feel like you're not getting out. Some of you may be headed to the depths. Some of you are actually on the come up. Some of you are slowly starting to creep back to what God has called you to. And it's beautiful. I pray that you don't lose heart. Don't faint. Don't lose heart in this. It's not in our own strength. The day is coming when all this dead, self-seeking religion is going to be thrown away, overboard in its entirety. And only that which is of Christ is going to remain. Jonah 1, 15 and 16 says, When they finally realized nothing was working, they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. So it was true. The sea immediately stopped, and the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Changed everything. Their outlook, their outcome. They were saved. They were offering sacrifices. They feared the Lord, which we know is the beginning of knowledge. So what happens to Jonah when he's thrown overboard? You know, what happens to the prodigal son who's taken this gifting of God, this inheritance of God, and, and, and has gone far away from the heart of his father? Jonah 1.17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. This is nuts. The Lord prepared a great fish. Maybe a blue whale had prepared a fish before the beginning of time because he knew he had to redirect Jonah in order for a city of a hundred and some thousand people to be saved. So he had prepared a fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is a scripture that a lot of people outside of church have a lot of trouble believing. This is one of those fairy tales. This is one of those, yeah, but that didn't really happen. Seriously. The Bible was a bunch of fables and fairy tales. And just to make a point, I get it. It's all true. Do you have the faith to believe that? You don't think God has the ability to send a fish, swallow a dude, and keep him in his belly for three days, alive and unharmed? God, who created the whale, created man, created the seas, created dry land, created all these things, he can do whatever. So he decides to prepare a fish to swallow up Jonah whole and to live in the stomach of this great fish. The Scripture tells us that God brought, kind of brought Jonah into a type of suffering that Christ went through in the grave three days, going down into the lower parts of the earth, the belly of the fish. Jonah describes it as hell. So it's kind of a type of suffering as Christ did. Jonah 2.6 says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me for forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. From the belly of the fish, Jonah is saying in Jonah to seven, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thine holy temple. 
Usually it's in the lowest parts where you'll either throw in a towel and give up or you finally look up and say, God, are you calling me back to what maybe you raised me on or, or something that I, you promised me, something I ran from, and you're calling me back? Can you imagine a prayer? What would your prayer life be like in the belly of a whale? What kind of prayer life would you have? Would you miss a day praying? Would you miss an hour praying? Dear God, like nonstop. As you see all these different things, the glottis and the opening and all these, the eustachian tubes and the esophagus. You're, Please die! You're, you're crying out to God the whole time. Would you not be? And you start to remember God and how merciful He is. And just when you thought your life was over and you couldn't go back to the call of God and, and the call of God that He has on your life because of circumstances that have taken away or that have paralyzed us from fulfilling that call and have caused us to be so discouraged because we haven't seen God move in months or years. Something happened. And Bob, I believe that this is the condition that the church of Jesus Christ in our country is in. We are in the belly of a whale. We are in our circumstances. We are so overwhelmed by them, it's hard to see a way out. It's dark. It stinks. It's slimy. You're trapped in mucus and saliva of the world. Rescue is impossible. Rescue is impossible. This is where Jonah finally began to pray. He finally began to pray here. If you're in a crisis and it, that it's causing you to pray, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. Thank God for it. This is the mercy of God on our behalf. And I'm, I'm, I, I say it now, as Christ lived again, so did Jonah. I actually entitled this message, Second Chances. And it was confirmed this morning with Jay saying it kind of over and over again. And Jonah 2, 8 and 9 says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. So in other words, it's, it's God's right to save whomever, however, wherever, whenever. You agree with that? Because I think a lot of times we try to carve out our own salvation. This is how I want to be saved. This is where I want to be saved. This is what I want to continue um, to hoard and hide in my life. And I'll give you these things, God. But I'm going to hold on to this for a while. And we plan our own salvation. We plan on what we want to give up to God, what we don't. And the Scriptures actually says that Jesus bought us with a price. He paid for our salvation with His own blood. Therefore, we're called to Glorify God with our mind, our heart, our body, and everything in us is called to bring glory to His name. We're not called to live the way we want to anymore. We're not called to walk with the... Uh, we are now called to walk with the Savior. We're called to speak when He tells us to speak. We're called to stand in the strength of God when He calls us to stand, even if nobody else is standing. It just took Jonah for a city of 120,000 men and women and children to repent and be on their way to heaven. We know the whole story of Jonah if you've been in church any length of time, but I'm not talking about the latter parts. I'm talking about what God in His mercy did with Jonah in that moment. 
So many have created this other, this other type of Jesus, this other salvation in this generation. We've created a very different Jesus. It's a Christ that doesn't challenge sin. It's a Christ that doesn't talk about the cross, sin, or blood. Does not call people to obey His will. There's no punishment for wrongdoing because everything is relative. And we've created our own doctrine and our own Jesus and how we want to serve Him. And this kind of gospel of salvation will allow men and women and children in this church to fall asleep in the midst of all these storms that are brewing in our society. But the true Jesus Christ is calling His church in these times to awaken. Again, to real righteousness and real power. Jonah basically said, my life is His and His mercy will save and keep me. And I too will let this expression of mercy flow from me to other people in my life. I firmly believe that if you have not experienced the mercy of God, the grace and the forgiveness of God, you cannot explain it to someone else. You cannot talk about it to someone else unless you have been through it, unless you have recognized that the mercy of God has saved you, has delivered you, has brought you into a new life. You can, we cannot talk about this mercy, this grace, this love, this forgiveness, unless we have ourselves experienced it. The only thing we can do is quote Scripture about mercy and memorize them, which is great. But you're not, it's, I'm telling you, it's not going to reach the heart of people until you have been through it, you have lived it, you have come through it, and then you can portray, display, exhibit, whatever it, and with a sincinuant, uh, genuine and sincere heart in a way that God has shown you. And I believe, I, I put this as my status, one of them yesterday, it's only in these trials, it's only in trials that you discover mercy. Isn't God's mercy great? What have you been through? How do you know that? Can you explain that a little bit? Has your body been in so much physical pain you, can, you don't even want to live and then God took you from it? Were you on your way to the grave because of a doctor report or because of cancer? Have you been addicted to some self-absorbing sin forever and ever and been delivered from it? Do you understand the mercy of God and how He is willing to give you another chance and to set you up for spiritual success with a life once again. This is the call on New Hope Church. To come out, come out, come out of the dark. And to be lights and cities and stars to shine in a world that is growing darker and darker. It is only in trials that you discover mercy and only often in failure that you fully begin to understand grace. Amen? God's grace is so good. What do you know about that? What do you know about the definition of grace? What do you know about when you slip, when you fall, when you mess up? God's grace is sufficient. The more sin abounds, the more grace abounds. Do you know that? Have you experienced it? Have you wept and cried over your own sin or over your own failure? Have you done that? Have you been in those moments? Because if not, you won't be able to talk about God's grace and God's mercy the way He deserves His grace and mercy to be discussed amongst the people that He died for. Does that make sense tonight? Please don't let the enemy 
We're going to wrap up here. Please don't let the enemy tell you that you cannot come back to God. That you're too far gone for God to be able to use your life. And you're in a place where grace can't be found. I'm telling you tonight, you're in a place where grace can be found. Don't let the enemy keep you in a place of this spiritual slumber. And then once you wake up from it, don't let him put you in a place where the enemy's going to just condemn you moment after moment. You have the right to rise up against any of those remarks that the enemy will make. So when Jonah began to cry out to God, he had gone as far away from the call of God that you could go. And he said in Jonah 2, 5 through 7, The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. All these past struggles and failures and thoughts of the past were I was consumed by, and I couldn't even forgive myself, and I was so depressed and anxious and all these things in my life. And I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came unto thee into thine holy temple. He remembered the mercy of God. So he was basically saying when everything in my heart was screaming that it was over, God can't use me anymore. It was at that point that he remembered the mercy of God. Yes, he can. Because that's his character. That's what he does. He restores lives. He restores relationships. So he called Jonah to preach that very mercy. There's been times in my life, I was a youth pastor at 21. I thought you could gather a crowd based on coolness alone. I'd come up with messages and videos and and points that would that would stir people's emotions. A lot of times when you are in a situation where you wish your life was better spiritually and you're falling short of what God has for you, you start to point out the, the other people and how horrible of a Christian they are and what they said and their hypocrisy. And we blame it on those people to make ourselves look better. And it can be a judgmental message. It can be a condemning message. It can be a hard, harsh word. But when you experience the mercy of God, it changes everything. It changes how sensitive and delicate you are to people, how you talk to them and react with them and and, and empathize and sympathize with their situation. And I'm telling you right now that I know that God has changed me in the past three years. I know He has. He has given me a new life, a new message, a new word. And I feel like it's mercy. And I feel like, Jonah, God, you've dealt this way with me bountifully. You're calling me to deal with other people in the same manner, mercifully. Amen? This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the character of God. To give people the benefit of the doubt, even though everything inside of your flesh screams, No. To have mercy. They're to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. We're called to love and to show mercy and grace and compassion. This is modeled pretty well by the Lord and the Word of God. You can start to take the lights down. No, I don't want anyone to stand to your feet. I just need a light right here. Everything else can be out. 
So it says this in Jonah 1.10, And the Lord spake unto the fish, which was the place of trial, death and despair, and it vomited out Jonah upon to dry land. The goal is to be on dry land. It, it represents second chances. Where are you tonight? Are you on dry land tonight? See, Jonah had now surrendered and yielded his life to the purposes of God. He submitted to the will of God. He was immediately brought out of his trial, restored to where he had begun. Aren't you, are you not just awestruck of, of the unbelievable mercy and unspeakable grace of God? It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. I can fail you, God, a thousand times and you still are there. You're still calling me. You still are willing to restore when the prodigal son came home after disgracing his father's name, he knew he was not worthy. But it was at that point he began to understand the grace of God. He was given a new robe, he was given a ring, and, and, and he was given new shoes and even a new position and uh, even a, a promotion at that point. And, and could now represent his father. He was no longer full of religion, but he was full of mercy. And he was walking in the grace of God. And can you imagine when he's coming back to the house and his father's running out to meet him? And I've talked about this a few times, but you think your father's going to be angry and he's going to want to chastise you. He's going to say, where you been, boy? And what's going on with your life? And your son is over here. And why can't you be more like him? And he's angry. But as he starts to walk back, his prodigal son's probably crying and ashamed of what he's done. And as his father is running, he's probably thinking he's so mad he's going to chastise and discipline me and his father as fast as his little old legs could carry him is running towards his son which is the church of jesus christ coming back and he can start to see his face come into the picture and start to become more clear and you think he's going to be mad and angry and his face is just really upset with his son but he as he sees it coming closer and more and starts to fade into the picture he sees that his dad is smiling he's laughing he's crying he's joyful he's cheering he's celebrating the return of his son and the church of jesus christ to restore unto them the original calling that was on their life and he's excited to do it and full of mercy where are you tonight you can kind of picture jonah standing on dry land and finally after all of that that just took place. He has a solid foothold. And by the grace of God, I, I'm going to stand where he places me. I'm not going to be led by those that are journeying or, or taking this journey away from the presence of God. Jonah 3.1 says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying to you tonight. Whether it's the second time or the 1,000th or the 100,000th time. Over the same failure. And the word of the Lord came unto you tonight. Again. And again. And again. I'm so thankful for a second chance. God is willing to speak to the church again. It might start in your marriage. Maybe with your children where you work. Maybe as you begin to put away things of the world and besetting sins, it's time for this church to awaken from our spiritual slumber. It's time for us to start to realize that the men and the women and the children are perishing 
in their sin all around us. The people that we meet as of right now in this time of the earth is not they're not going to be called into judgment. I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart, but into mercy, into the saving grace of God. And I'm I'm telling the church of New Hope and the church of Jesus Christ to have courage. Have courage. Be brave. You make me brave, Lord. You make me brave, Lord. God needs your voice. He wouldn't have called you. He wouldn't go back to the same calling again and again and again. He needs us to be able to show His unbelievable mercy and incredible love and salvation in Christ to this world. I want to read these scriptures, just a couple out of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear. They might not hear it, but they'll see it. And they will fear and they will trust in the Lord. Verse 5, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than that can be numbered. Verse 8 says, I delight to do your will. My God and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me, and my iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head, therefore my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and, and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let all those who seek you, verse 16, rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. I want to read something out of Psalm 18 very quickly, just a few verses. Psalm 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surround me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of hell surrounded me and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God and he heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. Verse 16, he sent me, he sent from, uh, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy for those who hated me for they were too strong for me. Verse 19, he also brought me up into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. For by you, verse 29, I can run against a troop by my God. I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who will trust in him. 33 says he makes my feet like the uh, feet of a deer. He sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. This is the strength of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 46 says, the Lord lives. 
Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Amen? Now listen. It's between you and the Lord tonight as we wrap up. I have one little four or five minute song and let's just spend some time with God. But I'm not going to ask you to stand at the end of the service. I, I always remember and I go back to the story of the prodigal son and I remember in Luke 15, it tells the whole story. And in all his shame and all his guilt and all of his embarrassment and all these things in verse 20 says, so he got up. Something happened. And it says, so he, the first two, three, four words, so he got up. So listen, tonight, with everything the way that it is, you can start to play that song audio only. I believe in my heart this is probably going to be another big worship song. It's called You Make Me Brave. And if that's you tonight, the Bible says, so he got up, so she got up. Just simply stand up and come to the altar tonight. This is a decision where you are making to stand up. God, it's time for me to return to the calling on my life. I'm so tired of living in spiritual monotony and drudgery. Getting up symbolizes tonight I want to 